Prayer is the most powerful thing we can do in our days, but all too often it gets drowned out by the noise around us. But what if the noise in our earbuds could help us tune out the noise of the world and instead tune in to our most important conversation? That's why we're here, to bring you inspiring conversations, practical how-tos, and guided prayers to help you pray like you never thought possible. I'm Valerie Warner, and this is Prayer in a Noisy World. In today's episode, I'm talking with Ruth Cho Simons. She is a Wall Street Journal bestselling and award-winning author of several books, including her newest release, When Striving Cease. She is an artist, entrepreneur, speaker, and owner of the online shop, Grace Laced. Ruth and her husband, Troy, are grateful parents to six boys. In today's chat, we talk about taking the pressure off of our prayer life and enjoying the presence of the Lord. Here's our conversation. Welcome, Ruth. I am so grateful to get to chat today. So fun to be here, Val. Thank you. So when I saw the title of your new book, When Striving Cease, I literally felt like my shoulders relaxed. I don't know if Hmm. that ever happens to you, but I felt so like that is the reminder I needed. Um, And Hmm. this idea of resting in God has been a hard one for me to grasp. So I'm excited to talk about how this concept affects our prayer lives Mm-hmm. Um, like how we stop seeing God as someone we perform for and start finding delight in responding to God's welcome. Um, mm-hmm. And those were actually some of y'all's own words talking about the book, and I just loved it so much. Mm-hmm. Um, so before we dive into this full topic of you know, rest and enjoying, like just delighting in the presence of the Lord, I'd love to start by just hearing what your prayer routine looks like right now. Mm-hmm. Love that question. You know, the word routine suggests that it's a formula or it's maybe the way I do it every single day. And I'd say right now in this season of life, I do have a little bit more space than I used to have as a younger mama, but um, I still don't feel like I have a perfect routine down. So definitely don't want any listener to think that um, somehow I do it the same way every day. But every day I do find that I really do need to sit and just talk with the Lord first thing in the morning. And so there's a corner of my office that, um, there's a closed door where I just sneak in and, um, I like to read my Bible while I listen to it at the same time, just because it helps me. And, um, usually it's after that time that I can really just talk to the Lord about, um, what my day's like, what's going on, what's on my heart. And if I'm being really honest, which I guess we're just going to kick this off and Mm -hmm. be real vulnerable here, but the reality is lately I've not been Well, I wouldn't say I haven't been sleeping well consistently. I just know that certainly in busy seasons, especially when I'm in a book launch season or when work is heavy or when we're all dealing with the pandemic and all the changes, you know, sometimes you just find yourself waking up in the middle of the night. And so Mm. sometimes those prayers with the Lord in the mornings are continuations of the prayers that are happening at night. So if there's ever um, an opportunity for me to say, well, this is my routine. I'd say almost the routine right now is that I actually end up praying and talking to the Lord in the middle of the night and then continuing that conversation sometimes before my feet even touch the ground. So yes, there is that prayer time that I try to certainly have like dedicated Mm -hmm. when I spend time in the word in the morning, but honestly, it's a big conversation that kind of is ongoing and certainly happens before I even get out of bed. Okay, Ruth, we're going to camp out here for a second unexpectedly. <laughs> I hope that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. I have, so I've talked to several women um, lately about 
not being able to sleep at uh-huh. night because of just the heavy spiritual warfare, yeah. the things that we were, were dealing with. One of them is actually another um, author who has a book on prayer coming out. Mm. And I messaged her and I was just like, I need prayer right now. I'm not sleeping at night. Mm. I'm anxious. I'm filled with mm. so much overwhelm at night. Okay. So I talked to her. I talked to somebody else about it. And mm-hmm. we basically started a group where if we wake up in the middle of the night, we are praying for each other's sleep. Mm. And we have all seen improvement in our sleep as we've been Love praying that. for each other. That's so and amazing. It, but isn't that crazy? So one of the conversations somebody mentioned, they were saying, you know, do you feel like the enemy just tries to get us at us more at night because that's, it's, we're just more vulnerable. And when she said that, I had to pause and just think, yes, I do feel that way. But mm-hmm. but hearing you talk about praying, you know, it's I'm glad that – and I know I've felt this myself as I've started to pray for them as well. It's empowering, too, to know that mm-hmm. we can pray in the middle of the night in those moments. So if you feel like elaborating on that yeah. or those prayers, like what that looks like, I think that – I just think that's encouraging to hear. Mm-hmm. There are probably so many people out there right now who are struggling with sleep because of anxiety, yeah. just thoughts of the world, thoughts of everything sure. going on. Oh, it's so and heavy just, out there. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I, I, I'll i just be honest and say I think my on and off um, struggling in the middle of the night was long before 2020 happened. So it's mm-hmm. not I, – I don't yeah. feel like it's just because – there's heaviness in the world or social media is heavy. I mean, I think that certainly adds to it, but I think, you know, initially, I mean, I'm a mama, I'm a mama to six. And so every other year of my life, I, for 10 years, I was getting up in the middle of the night. There were a lot of, there was a lot of interrupted sleep in my life. And so, Mm -hmm. um, so there are a lot of factors, but I, right now, what I notice is, or just in times past, when I wake up and it's anxiety induced, I wake up with a heavy, like, it feels like something sitting on my chest and my mind immediately goes to all the stuff I haven't figured out. So it's not just like waking up because you heard a noise or it's that something's internally not settled in your heart. And so the slightest stir and you wake up and you're right back to thinking like you were thinking during the day. And sometimes it's involuntary. Sometimes you don't realize. And, and I certainly have literally pray prayers that are like, you know, Lord, um, guard my heart from the enemy's attacks. And of course I am praying prayers like, yes, of course the enemy would love to take me and my friends down by, by giving us, getting us in these spirals of anxiety and thoughts. And I, and certainly we do want to pray for one another that way, but I love what you just mentioned Val, because I've also turned the corner and realizing that waking up in the middle of the night can also be a gift and a mercy mm-hmm. because it shows me how needful I am of the Lord's presence. And it's something that I don't always recognize in the middle of the day. Like mm-hmm. as I'm hustling along and running my business and taking care, you know, um, putting out fires and answering emails and tackling all the things I can get to the end of the day. And yes, I talk to the Lord, but I may not have a very, very strong and keen awareness of how desperate I really am. And the thing that happens in the middle of the night is you just lay there and you you literally can't even control whether or not your brain shuts back down. Like you, you can try. I mean, there's a lot of wonderful things, but you know, you can get up and you can write it down. You can actually, you know, there's a lot of things, right. But, but my point just being, you're actually not a hundred percent in control of what woke you up and what's going to put you back to sleep. And so it makes you 
truly desperate enough to say, well, Lord, mm. if, if you're going to allow this to be, let's say a thorn in my current season, something that is not taken away from me right now, that I am going to struggle and I am going to wrestle with this anxiety that sometimes wakes me up at night. I'm going to use this moment to be a moment where I say, well, you know what? I'm not going to spiral. I'm going to take this anxious thought or this stress that I feel that I'm not even trying to feel this, but it's on me. I'm going to let it be an, an opportunity to direct everything back to the Lord and count it a blessing, count it a blessing that he would allow me to recognize mm-hmm. my deep desperation and my need for him. And, um, I don't know. And I sometimes wake up having a different perspective on my day because I was so humbled in the night. Yeah. Well, and, and you're, you're grateful. Like I know just as I started praying for those friends, it's almost Mm -hmm. like you, it, it feels like a privilege to get to do that and enjoy when you wake up. And Mm -hmm. I know I remember reading about Evelyn Christensen. She was a writer in like the seventies and eighties and just an amazing prayer warrior. And she talked a lot about if she woke up in the middle of the night, she would ask the Lord, you know, who, put a name on my mind, who should I be praying for? Mm, and mm-hmm. I started doing this that. and you, it's like you, you really do start to see that as a privilege. Like the Lord woke you up to pray mm-hmm. because he knew that you would pray. And that's, um, it really does help to change those moments from fearful and anxious to just a little bit more restful. Like I know I'm yeah. still up as not as much as I had been, but it's, it's more restful now. Um, as I've come, just, I am interceding for friends who yeah. aren't sleeping well. And it's, I know it's brought joy to my heart. So I just love how you've shared that, that it, yeah, that it doesn't have to be a negative thing. And even how, mm-hmm. like you said, it changes the way you view the day. Um, mm-hmm. So that's really cool. Yeah. I'm glad you shared Aww. that. <laughs> well, how do you, how do you physically pray? Like, um, oh, well, I love that you mentioned that you listen to the Bible as you read it. Because we know, you know, from teachers that getting it in different ways is going to be helpful. But I never, I honestly don't ever do that. So I'm really glad you mentioned that. But how do you physically pray? Do you pray out loud? Do you journal? Do you, um, what does that look like? For me, um, I never really... I did, I've never thought of myself as an audible learner. Like I've never needed that because I was really solid at school and I am, I do receive a lot of content just by reading. Um, but I do it especially when I'm tired. So like in the morning, if I'm going to fit in time in the word before my day begins, that is a time when I'm not fully like, I I'm struggling to like really not be distracted first thing in the morning, you know? And so, um, so it really helps me, but I will say when I pray, I, I have to pray out loud. If I start praying in my head, um, it will, Mm -hmm. I, I, before I know it, I'm doing something random and I'm thinking about something random. And, um, and so that's not everybody. And I think that's why some people journal it. Um, I think I currently, I don't know what happened in the last decade or two, but I actually don't really enjoy holding a pen anymore. <laughs> like I'm actually struggling with my own handwriting, which is funny because I'm a ha- hand painting letter, yeah. you know? So yeah. like I, but that's different. You know, when I do artistic writing, that's a little different than jotting my thoughts down. I actually find that it's a little bit more difficult for me and I don't really want to type things out, you know? And so, because I, I write for a living and so I don't really want to write my prayers and try to make it a, almost a performance piece, you know, that I'm like Mm -hmm. trying to create something. So I just actually 
talk to the Lord out loud. And I do this when I drive. I literally, I mean, sometimes I crack myself up, but I am literally like talking to him. Like I would, if I was calling up a friend, you know, I would talk to the Lord. I even pause and I wait. And it's not that I'm expecting to hear anything audibly, but I just Mm -hmm. make sure that my heart knows this is a conversation and not just me venting. And, um, and so, and yeah, sometimes there's a venting too, but, um, (laughs) even in the mornings I do, I do talk out loud. It helps me in my, I, I, I sometimes imagine that the Psalmist was this way too, you know, but I think when you hear it out loud, you, it's kind of solidifies and reminds you that you're talking to a person. You're talking not Mm -hmm. to an idea. You are literally talking to a personal, intimate heavenly father who loves you and cares for you and that wants a relationship with you. And so, um, so that's what really helps me out is when I'm audible about it. And I actually hear the very words that I'm saying and hold myself accountable to what I'm saying. Yeah. Yes. Cause you could, you could say something. I know I've done that where you say something and you hear the words and you're just like, Whoa, mm-hmm. did I really say that? And it, it makes you really confront and be honest with what you're saying. But I'm really glad that you shared about praying out loud and just that that is, it sounds like the predominant way that you pray. Cause I feel like a lot of mm-hmm. people feel like I should be able to pray in my head and not get distracted and like to hear somebody else share like that. No, <laughs> like no, I, pray I, out loud. I really can't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that'll be encouraging people just, you know, just know that you're people, if you're listening and you feel like you can't pray in your head, like this is why we have um, other avenues. We can write, write things down. We can pray out mm-hmm. loud and they, mm-hmm. um, it's just so powerful. So I'm glad you shared that. Um, so often we hear from our audience about the overwhelm that they feel with praying. And one of the big things that they, they, um, that probably comes up the most is feeling like they want to get prayer, right. Mm. Whether it's the formulas <laughs> or, you know, following mm. what the Bible says about prayer, um, and I know just in reading a little bit of your new book, when striving cease, I am going to share a quote that I think kind of g- goes to this point, um, that I want to kind of, I guess, unpack a little bit, but, um, we want to see prayer is not a performance, but truly delighting in him. But, um, here's what you shared. You said, is it possible that we keep trying to answer the wrong question? Am I enough? when we really, when we're really wanting to know, is God enough? Mm. And I would just love to talk about that. Like just the idea that, um, how that can affect our prayers when we are honest about answering or asking Mm -hmm. not, are we enough, but is God enough? You know, I think that we are in a generation that is very obsessed with self. Not that other generations Mm -hmm. weren't, but you know, you and I can be, um, we can look around and just say, wow, all the best selling books are all about getting your life together, making your life better, or here's a new webinar on 10 ways to be the best version of yourself. There's so much self, um, manifesting, self aggrandizing, self improvement, self help Mm -hmm. that I think what we bring to prayer is often a self-centered idea of prayer, which is really not new, right? It's the idea that we would pray as if praying is a ticket to fixing our life, right? So, so many of us probably 
were raised around or heard prayers that really just sounded like a wish list to Santa, you know, like some version of, I really would love for you to do these things. This would be so great. I hope this, I want that, you know? And so sometimes we even say to our kids, you know, my, my littles, whenever they start praying, they always, for whatever reason, they always, even though they have older brothers who um, demonstrate it clearly, they use the word hope a lot. And it's not that it's necessarily wrong to say, I hope this day will go well. But it, what we realize is that um, it can be a little bit more like a wish list versus praying is truly actually coming to the Lord saying, I'm coming to you because of who you are, God. You are, mm-hmm. you, and so for a child, if he doesn't yet know truly who God is, then it could feel a little more self-centered to him. Like I'm just coming to lay down my requests and my wish list and my hopes for the day. Whereas as we mature and grow and understand what prayer is, it's really about God and it's not about us. It's really not about us saying, I have um, a set of needs and demands. And even though he gives us opportunity to lay those, he tells us to lay those requests mm-hmm. before him. But the but the goal of prayer is actually to know his heart more, to actually commune with him. And in order to do that, um, it's not that we have to have the right prayers. We just need to kind of realize that he wants to show us all of who he is. And so maybe the question of, the part where we struggle with, you know, am I praying the right way? I think a lot of times comes from possibly thinking that uh, I, just being kind of obsessed with ourselves and being more mm-hmm. more aware of like, how do I sound? Or do I, do I say it right? Or is this the way to do it? Versus saying the character of God is so great and he is so holy and majestic and so beyond who I am that I can just come with what, you know, like literally come and just lay everything at his feet. And that posture is so different than coming, thinking that I have to have some kind of a show, you know, or have some kind of a, like, look at me, look what I've been able to accomplish for you, God. And so I do think it's a posture of the heart. And perhaps I'd say some of my most um, significant seasons of prayer have been times where I have been not just like in some blissful awe of God as in, you're so great. You're doing everything like so wonderfully in my life. Everything's turning mm-hmm. out just, you know, it's not that, but I'm so in awe of how good he is in light of how sinful I am. And so when I am really humbled in the reality of my brokenness, and my fallenness and my weakness, his greatness and his holiness and his character really draws me to lay down the striving and the show and the trying to say it and sound like this person I admire and just come really needy. And I think somebody who's really hungry, I mean, a beggar doesn't come trying to look the part, mm-hmm. right? They just say, feed me, please. And so I think when we're really hungry and we're, when we're broken, some of the very best prayers come out of that posture of the heart, because that's when we literally can just say, you are God and I'm not, you provide completely. I can't, you're strong when I'm weak. You say that you hold all things together and I can't hold even my day together. And so the more we acknowledge who he is, 
the more the posture of our hearts surrender and some of the most beautiful prayers can come out of that. Yeah. The one thing you said, you said, I'm coming to you because of who you are, God. And Mm -hmm. I think if we recognize that, you know, we would pray differently just because we would Mm -hmm. know I'm not come like, we know we're not coming to God internally. Mm -hmm. We know this, but when we put on all the little things that we have to do, right. It's like Mm -hmm. we're forgetting or we're thinking I'm coming to you because I'm cleaned up and you like the way I'm coming and that's (laughs) why you're going to talk to me. And, um, it sounds silly to say, but if we really thought I am coming to God because of who he is, not because of who I am, um, it really could take that, that pressure that we put on ourselves. And also, yes, the self, the just eyes, the navel gazing, the, the just, the amount of attention that we can put on, on make on ourselves is Mm -hmm. pretty, pretty incredible. (laughs) The degree that we can do that. If you're enjoying today's episode, I want to share with you something to help take your prayer life deeper. My new book, Pray Confidently and Consistently, releases October 12th, and right now we're offering the audio version for free with every purchase before launch day. That means you can listen just like you're enjoying this podcast now and have a printed copy for highlighting. And if you've ever thought about praying with others but found it super intimidating to think of leading a group, you won't want to miss our pre-order bonus for ordering four or more copies. We've created a no-fail leader guide that helps you walk through the content of the book while simultaneously morphing your book club into a prayer group by the final week. We are super excited for how this will work and how it will take the intimidation factor out of a prayer group. Go check out valmariepaper.com slash pray for details and enjoy the rest of the episode. So I want to hear more about like, what does it look like to come to the Lord without striving? Mm. Um, Like maybe, I don't know if you have an answer for that specifically, but also like what, what does, what do you know to be true about God that like Mm. helps you to, to know that you can come to him like that? So those can be kind of two separate questions or, or one. Yeah. Well, one chapter of my book, I share a story that I've really never shared before. And it's, it's pretty vulnerable. And, you know, my, my parents are both now believers who walk with the Lord. But when I was young, um, my parents did the best they knew how to, as not non-Christ followers, just trying to mm-hmm. live according to their own ideas. And um, I tell the story of how, when I was in middle school, I came home and tried to tell my dad basically everything that had happened in the day. And I was exuberant, and I was trying to tell a great story of all the details of my life, and. In for a young girl, you expect, and my dad was never very verbose, you know, he's just kind of a stoic person, but you kind of expect somebody to say, tell me more or, oh, honey, I can't believe that was so stressful or, well, what happened? And he said nothing. And when he finally looked up and said words to me, he, his response to everything I had just poured my heart out and shared were the words, well, well, he didn't say anything. And I, and I said, well, why aren't you talking to me? Like, why aren't you responding to this? And his words were, because you haven't finished the dishes yet. And I tell that story, I tell that story about because at a really young age, I had just ingrained in me the sense that if you don't get things done, 
if you're not a great version of what you've been told to do, a good Christian or a good daughter, then you're not worthy of attention. Like you don't like, like don't talk until you finish what you're supposed to be doing. Now, I mean, ultimately that could have been about (laughs) me finishing the dishes too. But my Mm -hmm. point just being that in that moment to have an earthly father model the idea that what I'm saying isn't really important because I haven't done my duty. That really can shape a lot of our ideas about how to come to God. And so that's why, you know, we just got done saying that knowing his characters is so important because, and why it's so important that's about him and not about us, because there's no end to how much we want to perfect ourselves, right? To feel worthy, to feel like we get to come in because look at how much I've done for you, God. Like that would be that that's our natural state. Our natural state is wanting to prove that we're worthy of coming into his presence. And the gospel is the very good news that Jesus is our, is our like ticket to actually being, Jesus is the reason why we can even enter in. And so, so when I start thinking, not just that it's transactional, but that it was the love of God, that it was like his extravagant, un believable love that would send his son Christ to come and do that on my behalf, on your behalf, on all those who believe like for their sake, that love did what we couldn't do for ourselves. So we could try to do all the things in the world to make ourselves worthy of getting his attention. And he would still be, if if that were it, then he would be the God that would, that's why there's so many religions who, who, Talk about little G gods that won't even pay attention until you do things right. That is mm-hmm. not the God of the Bible. Yeah. Uh, the, the God we worship and serve, God Almighty, is a God who says, you can't make yourself worthy enough to come into my presence, so I'm going to do it all for you on your behalf um, through my son, Christ. And because of that love and because I keep that in mind, I have to repeat and rehearse that. I have to preach that to my heart because I will forget. But when I remember that that is the character of my heavenly father, that's what causes me to come back. And that's what causes me to come and enter in. That's what causes me to come into his presence when I've yelled at my kids or when I've, um, made a bad decision and and feel kind of stupid about it. Or when I've stayed away from reading my Bible because I'm too tired or I feel like I'm not getting anything out of it and I'm kind of coming feeling slightly ashamed, that's what clears the way and causes me to say, shame no longer. I can come enter in because he loves me and that will never change. And that character of God that says, you're welcome because of grace You can lay your strivings down. You don't have to finish the dishes first. You don't have to go teach Sunday school first. You don't have to read your Bible cover to cover first before you come. That's the God that we're praying to. And when I know that, I can pray. Otherwise, I'm not really sure what it is that I'm trying to do. I'm probably trying to earn my way to him. And so Mm -hmm. that's what it means to lay my strivings down. Um, That was so good. And one thing that you just made me think about was I saw, I might've seen this this morning, um, a graphic talking about if we don't truly under, we can't truly understand grace until we truly understand the sin and what we've been saved from. Like if we Mm. think that we're like a pretty good gal (laughs) and, 
you know, we just kind of got, um, like, I know I always say, like, I saved grace for the bad girls because, like, I was a good girl growing up. <laughs> and because of that, we can forget that, you, like, like David was able to go to God and he was, he was sinful. Like, he made mistakes, but he understood what he was saved from mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. clearly. So I think, um, yeah, just knowing that the depth of our sins and not labeling it a mistake or... Mm-hmm. Um, kind of just like a moral, moral failure, like something like that, but like really labeling it the true thing, mm-hmm. um, yeah. we would be able to come to God because we would know the grace that saved us and know that there, the thing that we do today that we think could separate us from prayer, mm-hmm. if we think, oh, well, we haven't gone to him in a while, we would know like he saved us from so much more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's, that's, you're just helping me to see that in a different way and, I know we Lent is like a special time where we can like, you know, we don't just celebrate the cross. We like really, we take time to see like what we were saved from. But I mm-hmm. think like you can obviously do that anytime, but um, I think that would just be a powerful thing to change our prayer lives if we mm-hmm. really sat in that a little longer than we normally mm-hmm. would. <laughs> um, sure. Well, I want to hear what are some of the biggest answered prayers that you've seen God work in your life? And they could be small like when I say big, maybe just the obvious things that you knew, whoa, that was 100% God. There's no question mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. it. You know, I think in when I think about the prayers that have been the most difficult to pray and the most heartachey have probably been prayers concerning my kids as a mom, seasons where there's real sadness in one of their lives or when there's real disobedience in one of them. I mean, I've got six. So, so Mm -hmm. there's always somebody going through something and I can specifically think of two of my children who at a different season of life when they were younger, um, kind of went through an extraordinarily long period of, um, every time, something came up, it became a really big deal and it really caused a meltdown. And it was almost like they couldn't get over it. And, um, that could just be such a burden for a, for a mom, because you think nothing's working. I don't know how to get through to him. And that desperation certainly drove me to pray for that child, um, in very specific ways in daily overarching Lord, please get a hold of his life kind of way. Mm-hmm. And, um, I can truly say years later now, looking back, um, that the Lord really answered those prayers. And then there's the time when I, I think I've told this story before that one of my boys, um, I think it was number three, um, went through a season when he was young, I think it was between age three and five, where he just, did not sleep through the night. I mean, we're talking like some, a kid who knew how to sleep through the night, but would just wake up with night terrors or aches or whatever. And it was multiple times a night and we prayed and we prayed and we really were like, something's wrong. What's going on? And we never found anything medically wrong. We never found anything, you know, it was never anything that we could ultimately diagnose or say, Hey, this was what was wrong. But we found that our consistent prayer over that season changed our hearts even if it didn't immediately change his sleep pattern at that time. And ultimately now Mm -hmm. he sleeps through the night amazingly well um, as a teen. But, um, but I just say, you know, 
yes, answered prayer, but it wasn't right in the moment. But I can absolutely say, especially in those three situations, um, he answered our prayers, but he did some work in our own hearts as we prayed before those prayers were answered. Right. Yep. And that, that's definitely what he does, huh? Um, I would love to hear what some of the biggest, or maybe one of the biggest knows, um, and what God taught you through that. Yeah. Well, you know, um, a couple of years ago, we went through a ministry, essentially a ministry split. We went through, um, something really painful where we had to part ways with something we were intimately involved in. And like most people involved in a situation like that, you just pray for more than reconciliation. You just pray for like it all to work out, right? You pray Mm -hmm. that you get to do exactly what you've been doing and there's going to be no conflict and no pain. And, um, and that's not how the Lord answered. The no was that we walked away from something we had started we walked away from something that we had poured a lot of our hearts and our resources and our time into seven years. In fact, um, we walked away from something that he closed the door. There was just a full on this, this door is closed and we had to start over. And that no, I, I, I felt it probably one of the first times in my adult life where it was like, like it, that, that sense of like, wanting to throw a fit and be like, why, why not? Why, why can't, why can't I have this? You know, why can't it be this way? Um, that no resulted in a good season of reassessing, of growing, of trusting God that, um, success isn't measured by whether everything is tied up in a pretty bow, but that success is really measured in faithfulness, whether or not your circumstances look like the right ones or not. And so I think it was a time where his no really required that we still say yes to him. And we did. And that proved fruitful in time. It wasn't fruitful immediately and we weren't feeling great about it, but that no taught me something about obedience and, um, and it was really good for us. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, I would love to hear if, prayer, I know you mentioned your parents come into faith later in life. Um, was prayer modeled for you in any way, um, in your childhood or as you grew up? You know, I, I don't really feel like I had good models for it, honestly. I mean, I, I, when I think back, I go, I feel like I saw a lot of uh, formulaic prayers. I heard a Mm -hmm. lot of like the kind of thank you for dinner kind of prayers. And, um, I really, I don't think it was until later in my adult life, and then certainly after I married my husband, Troy, and when we both grew together and realized that there was an opportunity through prayer to declare what is true about God and that prayer itself can be didactic, as in like it can grow the hearts of people who are joining in and listening. Um, That's what that's. That's maybe one of the first times in my life as I, as an adult that I realized, wow, I, I participated in a lot of prayers that really were about me and not really about God. And I think that's why back to that topic, you know, that really is a big deal for me is that, um, that there was a desire to just kind of get through a prayer when I was younger, 
um, in youth group or just as I was growing up, it just seemed like prayer was that thing that you kind of just did to close it, close, close things up and yeah. finish it off. <laughs> and it wasn't an opportunity to edify or build up or actually remind ourselves what is true. And so, um, I can't think of a good role model right off the top of my head for that, but I know that it's because I also grew up in a very, um, I grew up at a home where we were all young believers. And so even including my parents. And so, um, certainly that's something we've all grown in over the years. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm sure that that, I mean, without a doubt has impacted how you guys pray with your kids and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been interesting to ask this question of our guests because um, it is it is so different. It is so unique how we grow up and, and what those, whether we heard prayers or whether we didn't, like how that mm-hmm. has affected our own prayer life. And um, no matter what those histories are, it's always something that I want to drive home with our listeners that we want to be moms and dads who are praying for our kids, praying with them, mm-hmm. knowing that when you, when they hear our words, um, that is, that is a way that they learn how to pray. Um, whenever yep. the disciples, they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. He prayed the Lord's prayer. Um, that was something that he shared with them. And we get to, we get to, you know, obviously play a role in that too with others and, and not just our kids. We can do that with you know, people are our own age, um, you know, people who are just a little bit down the road or, um, I don't know how to say the phrase, basically just a little bit younger than us. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and we can model that for others. So thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. Last question I want to ask, and I love this one is in what ways do you long to keep growing your prayer life? Hmm. You know, to be honest, I think I'm probably like, the woman who's listening right now going, man, I don't really want to be called on to pray in public. And sometimes I feel like I, I feel a little nervous, like keep keep Mm -hmm. my head down, call on someone else. I don't feel like I'm one of those people that is eager to pray. That doesn't Mm -hmm. mean I don't pray. I, I clearly pray with the Lord in the car. And like I said, you know, first thing in the morning when I'm laying in my bed, but I don't, for all the things that we've talked about today, I know that I personally struggle with wanting the opportunity, like counting it a privilege to be the one who prays. Obviously with a public ministry, I've grown in that a lot, but I think that, um, more than it just being something you practice and grow in, I think I want to be somebody who overflows with prayer because Mm -hmm. I've grown so much in prayer, you know, because I think that, you know, it could be easy for any of us who feel that way to be like, well, I'm going to practice more, which sure, like literally praying out loud will help you learn to pray out loud. But at the same time, I think what comes out of our mouths always reflect what's happening in our hearts. And so my greatest desire is that five, 10 years from now, Ruth Simons would be just a little bit more robust in my prayers even publicly, even with my kids or in the way I seek out opportunity to pray with my husband or seek out opportunities to pray amongst a group of women or immediately take the opportunity when I hear a need. And rather than let that moment pass by because I hesitated, I would love to be somebody who grows in that area because it's an overflow of how much I recognize that prayer is ongoing and ever present in my life all the other times. 
Yes. Oh, I love, I love that response. And, you know, just having so many conversations with our audience, they, this is something that they personally, um, want to grow in too. So I think Mm -hmm. to hear somebody that they love and respect, um, as much as you, um, share something so vulnerable about that, I think that's going to encourage them. And, Mm. um, and yeah, I just think that's going to be powerful and I appreciate you sharing that. Mm. And I will give you an opportunity if you would like (laughs) to pray now for our audience. I will. Thank you for the opportunity. I'm growing in it for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Dear father, thank you for this conversation today. Thank you for each person that's listening right now. Lord, you have that person listening in on purpose, for a purpose. Father, we've um, attempted and sought to encourage one another today in this area of prayer and laying down our strivings that we might come to you as we're intended to, as you created us to, to have an intimate and true relationship with you. Father, we're sorry for all the ways in which we sometimes make it about us and that we think so highly of our abilities to um, fix our lives or um, earn your favor. Old habits sometimes die hard, Lord, and we just confess that we need you to change us through the power of the gospel that we might remember day by day the grace that saved us, that it was not by our own works, that we cannot boast in anything that we've ever done to make ourselves more lovable to you, Lord, that you sent Christ so that um, there would be no distance between you and us. And so, Lord, thank you that this this very moment in which we can talk to you as our Abba Father, that this moment has been purchased by the blood of Christ, that we can come freely without shame, without fear. For anyone who's listening and praying along with us today, Lord, Mm -hmm. you know what's going on in her life. You know if she feels Mm -hmm. like she's messed up too much today to even finish this prayer. You know if she's stayed away from church through all of 2020 and really doesn't even know how to worship anymore and struggling to come back. Lord, would you just in your kindness... And in your love and mercy, just draw her heart back to you and remind her that she doesn't have to finish the dishes yet. She doesn't have to read the Bible cover to cover to be pleasing to you. That she need only surrender and say, you are God and I'm not and I need you, Lord. That that is the first prayer she needs to even just come into your presence. And so, Father, thank you that you've paved the way, made it possible and that you keep us in your presence by the blood of Christ. And so thank you for this time. Thank you for this podcast and this opportunity to reach women everywhere with the truth that you are, you are our good father and you desire a relationship with us. And because of your kindness, we get to pray. We don't have to, we get to pray. So Mm -hmm. thank you, Lord, for what you will do in and through the very privilege of prayer draw our hearts to you that we might grow in this very discipline that we might see more of you and um, surrender all the more in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Ruth, thank you so much. I feel like I can 
chat your ear off for another 10 minutes <laughs> about your prayer. But um, would you tell our audience about um, where to find you and tell them about your book? Yeah. Well, I seek to encourage day by day on my Instagram account at Ruth Jo Simons. That's R-U-T-H-C-H-O-U-S-I-M-O-N-S. And you can find my artwork and my um, just my lifestyle products that create through my art at gracelace.com. But um, yes, my books, my new one, When Striving Cease, comes out October 12th. And um, just eager for it to be an encouragement to anyone who's ready to lay their strivings down and to rest in the grace that makes them truly enough in Christ. Thank you so much, Ruth. I appreciate it. Appreciate Thanks so much for here. having me. Thanks so much.